In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Remember that you are dust, and from dust you shall return, is not in the gospel lesson today. And while the gospel does not create an obvious connection to what we observe here on Ash Wednesday, let's attempt to find that connection by first diving into what Christ is doing here and how it matters in this moment when we recognize, observe, and dare I even say, celebrate our own mortality. In this section of Christ's Sermon on the Mount, we can divide the gospel into three sections. First is Jesus' understanding of charity. He states that when we give alms or give our resources to those in need, quote, do not be like hypocrites so that they may be praised by others. Hypocrite. Such a powerful word. We hear it in politics. We hear it from those who justify not participating in religious communities. But the term hypocrite, or specifically the Greek word here, is not understood in the way we understand hypocrite today, but rather specifically a stage actor. Somewhat of a different meaning to how we understand it, but powerful nevertheless. See, Jesus is not interested in people performing acts of discipleship in a hypocritical way in the terms we know that word. If that were the case, we would all find ourselves unable to fulfill this requirement. We're human. We're not perfect. Now, Jesus is interested in the intention of why we do things, or more specifically, who we do them for. A few years ago, during, during the COVID times, I remember the news announcing many philanthropists and millionaires and celebrities who had donated millions of dollars in research for vaccinations. And while we can praise this act, I always found it fascinating that in this day and age, when someone gives to something as important as vaccinations, the act needs the inclusion of the work of a publicist. For Christ, doing the work should be its own reward. And once we make the turn to seek public admiration for such acts, the integrity is then lost. The second theme Christ addresses is that of prayer. Again, he uses this harsh term of hypocrisy to describe how to approach this sacred act. And we must understand the dimension of prayer he is attacking is not public. After all, if that were the case, we would be in trouble every time we came to church. And an elementary understanding of this scripture would challenge the notion of public worship in general. We also must remember that during Jesus' time, it was a common act to go into the temple and pray publicly. And he is not pushing back at this, but rather looking at it in the same way he describes charity. Again, it's about the intention. Prayer publicly is not what is at stake, but rather the stage acting that Christ is condemning. The third and final theme is that of fasting. As we've learned, Jesus does not condemn this act specifically, but rather its intention of why we do it. Fasting is understood as a voluntary abstention of food for a pres prescribed period of time, 
for religious devotion. It doesn't sound that bad. But it is not an opportunity to reveal to the world our high level of piety. Jesus even goes as far as to claim that there are those stage actors who, quote, disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. This is nuts. People spending their limited time and energy to pretend to do something rather than do it. The idea that someone would go out of their way to let the world know how devoted they are without actually being devoted. Now, I understand that my Midwestern passive aggressiveness may be showing a little too much right here. So I'm going to move forward. There is this common myth in pop culture that the long-lived show The Simpsons is so prophetic in regards to its satire that they have predicted some pretty incredible things. Personal space travel, smartwatches, Lady Gaga performing at the Super Bowl, the Fox-Disney merger, FaceTime, Killer Bees, and even the Trump presidency 20 years before it even happened. Now, it's not that these writers are some form of wizards using Ouija boards to conjure up the future, but rather it is a notion that prophecy is more about understanding people and how they work in such a way that perhaps the future can be foreseen just a little bit. And folks, today's gospel is no different than this. In our present state, we have, as collectively, have fallen into the ethos that if it is not shared online, then it did not happen. This basic point is that the writer of Matthew saw social media long before we did, in a sense. Could you imagine trying to explain the internet to Matthew? But let's be honest, we have become so focused on sharing everything that we don't hold anything for ourselves. And this can create a slippery slope in regards to the possibility of flaunting our discipleship. This is what Jesus is talking about. And while social media can be used for good, I'm not, I don't want you guys coming here saying the preacher said don't do social media anymore. St. Paul's does it, and I think we do, do a fine job of it. I believe that collectively we have succumbed to the notion that validation requires social response. And this, my friends, again, is what Jesus is talking about. This is where I think this message is so important in regards to today's context. Remember that you are dust, and from dust you shall return. What does this mean? Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but by nature, I'm a cynic. Dixon's probably laughing right now. And it is easy to take this statement in a nihilistic way. All we are are dust, and everything's just going to end. And I have to admit, this is how I looked at it for so long. But as I got older, I have learned to take these thoughts in my head and turn them upside down and see that this is not a warning, my friends, but rather a blessing. Folks, we, we are dust, scientifically speaking, and we will return to it. It's something we ignore because, uh, um, because our own mortality is not something that creates great dinner conversation. But if we ignore it, then we miss the point of life. If we ignore it, then we forget how precious this life that we have been given is. 
that it is indeed limited and this time is worth more than all the money in the world. So why waste this gift of existence that we have been given by pretending to do it? Now, unless you have lived under a rock for a few years or missed the entire Super Bowl on Sunday, you may have heard about this singer that goes by the name of Taylor Swift. I think she's going to make it. If you're a parent, you've either spent the least promising child's college tuition on concert tickets, or you've gone to the theater to see a three-hour presentation of this concert, or you've rented it online during slumber parties, or you've done a combination of the three. Now, what I have noticed during this concert is that there are more people holding their phones up uh, recording this concert rather than just watching it. Why? Are they seriously going to go home and watch this concert through the lens of who they are as amazing filmmakers? Or are they going to share it with others? And while this may seem admirable, they are missing the moment of being there and seek a validation by those who are not. And because of this pressure, no one gets to fully embrace the impact of absorbing an experience like this at the moment. Folks, again, we only have one life. We pretend we have more, but we only have one. We can look at its limitations as a curse, or we can look at them as a blessing. And if we respond to this in the latter, then perhaps we won't be so wrapped up in what Christ calls being stage actors. And we can fully embrace the gift that God has given us, whether it be through witnessing a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience by a very talented young woman, or time with your family, or giving alms to those who need it, or praying to God in public, or fasting, or simply being. Experience life. Don't promote it. Remember that you are dust, and from dust you shall return. So let us not waste it.